Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Pan. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. That's what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with Cameron. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that rocket science? I have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Sam Amick here as always. Here in the bubble on the later stages, I am here with National Basketball Players Association Executive Director Michelle Roberts. Michelle, how are you? I'm well, Sam. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm hanging in. I I feel like there was a great organic kind of way that this conversation came together. I've been in touch with Ellie, you know, head of PR from the union for a while, trying to see if you and I could connect. And then Last night, uh, halftime of game three of the finals, I, I run into you at the old coffee stand in the the arena. And just to paint the picture for the listeners, it's probably about 300 feet or so from the arena where the games happen. Everybody kind of treks up there at halftime and before the game to get coffee, to get food. And, and Michelle, part of what I was looking really forward to connecting with you about was just that you've been in this bubble since the very beginning. And so it, it seems very fitting that we chatted at the coffee stand because we, we all need some coffee these days, but you might need a little more than most. How are you holding up? Not badly. Um, not quite from the beginning, Sam, but damn near. Um, sure. I can't even, I, I have refused to count the days because I, <laughs> I think that would be depressing, but you no, know, holding up and it's, 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 it's good to, to now be able to see um, some light at the end of the tunnel. It's been a long, long time. So, I don't regret it, but I want to go home. Yeah, right, right. And I don't want to make you do the counting game. That you, I loved how you put it last night. You said, you know, ignorance is bliss when it comes to <laughs> keeping your sanity. But but give me a rough sense. Like, when did you actually get here? I, I think I got here on the – I'm pretty sure I got here on the 14th of July. Okay. And you know, I, I kind of thought I'd be here for two or three weeks, maybe a month. Yeah, and that was certainly something I was looking forward to, to having you share. I mean, and again, I think it's perfect that, that you and I talk on the back end of this thing because mm-hmm. I've only done the second half, Michelle. And so I get here, I leave home on August 20th. I live out near Sacramento. Yeah. You know, the 20, 22nd, I, I come into the bubble, I do my quarantine, uh, you know, and I'm ready to go. So I can't imagine how you feel. What was behind your choice to wind up staying certainly, you know, back on, I think it was August 26th. You have the historic players meeting that where you played a, a pivotal part, but um, what was the, uh, the thinking in terms of doing the marathon in the end? Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I didn't think I would, I would say, I, I was actually very concerned about having you know, any quote unquote, non-essential personnel at the sure. bubble because I was convinced and, and I'm still convinced that, you know, the greater number of people you place in the environment, the greater the risk of spread. And so I was really being uh, very conservative about uh, who should be permitted. Uh, in our negotiations with the league, I made clear that we needed to not have anyone there that was not 
absolutely necessary to include my staff. Um, I, I put the, the, the I put down about staff coming into the bubble, um, and, and only allowed the staff that I thought would be of some value <clears throat> to the players' experience. I didn't think that I was going to be someone that was essential, and so my initial thought was that I wouldn't go. Um, and then I, frankly, one of our players said to me, "Michelle, you're coming, right?" <laughs> and at that moment, I said, "Absolutely." <laughs> Um, and thought, you know, okay, I, I mean, perhaps there is some value. I mean, I, you know, I'm, look, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm, I can't help you if you're, if you're injured. I mean, my, my value is what my value is, but I didn't know what I could really do in terms of making a difference for players in the bubble that I couldn't do outside of it. Right. Um, but I they quickly realized that that's, that's not true. My, 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 my presence and nothing else would affirm, but I can give me some credibility when I suggested, look, we've worked really hard to find the safest environment possible. And so obviously there's some risks, but, if you, if you, but I, I think there are risks that, that on balance can be, can be taken. Well, the, to then not show up would be, I, I thought, sending the wrong message. So what the heck, I thought. It's a great, sure. chance, you know, a great chance to be able to see upfront and personal um, just how well or not we were doing. Um, and so I came down and it just never made sense to leave. It, it just, I couldn't figure out why this, there was a reason to leave other than I just wanted to go home. Well, and, and so two things real quick. For one, you know, you're going to make me curious about who that player might be. And I don't know if you're willing to share that. I, I find that pretty interesting. And within that, <laughs> apologies, that was my good old security camera at home going off. <laughs> Turn my phone off. <laughs> See, the, 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 the things at home are always tugging at you. Um <laughs> And but within that, I saw I think it was in your New York Times interview that you had um, mentioned just the interpersonal relationships and how once you got here, you learned quickly that you could really have the kind of FaceTime and and connectivity with players that, that was even greater than what you'd had since taking over back in 2014. Yeah, it's so true. I, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. One of the ways. I, mean, I, I do. I've been blessed, and I have had conversations with players. But you know, the, the, I, my role is what my role is, and you know, players will rarely just say hi. I'm just calling to chat. Right. 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 <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, it's normally about the, the things that are important, some significant issues, and that's and that's fine. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. Being in the bubble does allow me to have conversations with players that aren't. Some of them were were, were focused on issues. But uh, many, if not most of them, were just, you know, hey, Michelle, what's up? Or am I saying, hey, so-and-so, what's up? And then talking about family, talking about you know, whatever hobby they had, talking about their experience, experience as rookies or as vets. There's no way in the world I would have been able to have these experiences had I not come down here. Um, and I used to, and I'll say this and stop, I used to, and I still do. I love listening to player podcasts because I, it would give me a perception of players um, that was different. I mean, the, watching them, especially when they interviewed each other, the camaraderie and the conversation, it would, frankly, would give me insight into the players I didn't have before. Sure. Um, a, a lot of that is now what I've been able to do with players here in the bubble. I mean, they're just being able to sit at, at the pool, right, after the I either won or lost a game and right. right over some wine or you know, a, a cup of coffee in the morning just before breakfast. I, those things don't happen in my professional life as, sure. as 
with the director, but they happened here. And so it's been more than worth it. I wonder, because I can relate to that quite a bit, actually. And so um, any any highlights that you're willing to share in terms of moments? You know, I mean, one, I, you know, while you think about that, one I'll share with you real quickly that that'll probably resonate is, you know, I'm sitting out one night early on in my experience by the uh, the lake, pretty late at night, writing a, a column by yeah. myself. And I got my laptop out. Well, my laptop has the logo of our company on the back. It says The Athletic. And so sure enough, one table away as we're sitting outside is Stanley Johnson of the Raptors. And Mm -hmm. he sees the label on the computer and just strikes up a very human conversation and says, hey, you know, you in the media, which part do you play? What do you do? And we Mm -hmm. sat there and talked for 40 minutes about his industry, about my industry. And like you said, that's the kind of thing that that just would not happen in normal times. It it doesn't. I mean, it it also depends upon where where we were in the sort of the cycle of this thing. When I first got here, the players have had their week and a half of why am I here? This is this sucks. Sure, sure. <laughs> I've been dealing with that on the phone mostly, and then when I got here, you know, a lot of the, the the things that needed to just be resolved. I mean, because you know, planning you can't plan everything, so a lot of the, the complaining had stopped, and the guys were now preparing for scrimmage games. So some of the conversations then were just you know, with, with how they would have dealt with being in isolation since the since play stopped. Um, and it was interesting because these are young men, obviously very much younger than I am. And, and, and for them, it was, it was an extraordinary experience to have the world just stop like that. And so hearing how they dealt with it was, 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 was incredible. After a while, when the competition began, um, it, was, it was more basketball related than, than I enjoyed because, you know, First of all, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, my basketball IQ is not what it should, what it should be. Sure. But, then, but then when the loneliness began to creep in, you know, by the month or so in, um, it was mostly conversations about family. Um, I was, I, I tell this all the time, I can't tell you how many players I saw FaceTiming with their kids and I would be <laughs> literally moved to tears. It was just so sweet. Right, right. Why? And you know, hearing players reading stories to their kids, and 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 then and my heart would break because I knew how much they missed their families. So that was the toughest, I think. Um, those are those conversations were really heartfelt, and I wouldn't share those with anyone because they were clearly personal. Sure. And then the families showed up, and and they didn't talk to me as much because I had the sounding boards. But I, 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 even in the on the elevator coming down, or you know, after a loss, it's a big loss. Um, if they don't have family, being able to say, uh, look, I know you can't sleep. I'll be here as long as you want. We can just talk shit, right? Right. It's been, um, it's been remarkable. And, and, and I, I, I can't imagine not having had this experience and leaving this job without realizing how unbelievably full and dimensional these men are. I mean, I, I always love them and admire them, but, but getting to know them as people has been, it's been a joy. Well, that's pretty neat. I like hearing that. And, and you kind of alluded to it there. The other part of your story that had certainly been on my mind is that if you hit that rewind button and you go back to March, um, you know, it, you had come out and said that your time as executive director was nearing an end and, and the union was going to start its search. And, you know, you talk about a, a kind of an about phase because of what hit the country and what hit the world and everything within that. Um, that's got to make your head spin a little bit. You know, you, you kind of said it there that you, you really value the time here. 
where do where personally what does this mean what does it change if anything what's the plan at this point that i was i would never have left the union if i thought there was something i could do or that it would hurt the union um, i i i believed when i made the decision to to, to retire first of all it was consistent with what i've been telling the players ever since i got the job look yeah. i'm under control, but I'm, I'm not one that wants to die behind your desk. And so if, if I had my health, I'm not, I'd like to be able to retire by 65. You know, my predecessor was had been fired and there was no successor. And when that happened, the, the union was sort of you know, rudderless for about a year until they finally um, finally hired, uh, hired me. And and, it, and I remember it immediately struck me that that, that was unacceptable. There should have been someone who would clearly be able to step in and take over the reins until such time as another director, executive director was hired. And that should never happen again. And so the succession plan is one that should happen. It, it just has to happen as a matter of course. Going forward, I, I um, you know, I, I will be here until, you know, as you know, we've had some serious negotiations. Yeah, you sure um, do. Gotta take care of making sure that happens. You know, how the next season will or will not happen is something that I need to give time and attention to. So, you know, I, I still plan to be a retired lady at 65. Yeah, I'm I'm 64 now. Um, I've turned 65 next September. I'd like to think that by then there'll be a new executive director, you know, fully in place um, and ready to take you know to take the baton. Um, I, I'm, I'm not rushing out because I do love my job and I love these men. Um, and as long as I can be a value and be helpful, I will. But I, I, I don't think that this is as horrific as this virus has been. I don't think it's effectively changed my plans to retire. Gotcha. Uh, let's go down that, that other road you mentioned there. Um, we're sitting here speaking on, what is it, October 5th? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Monday. So yesterday, this is the other benefit of the bubble, at least for a media guy, is we're all in pretty tight quarters. So um, yesterday I was having, a, I think it was an early lunch in the old Maya Grill. And, and you know, I think, Michelle, we might have looked out the window and saw you and the commissioner sitting down and, and having a little conversation. And, and the two of you, you know, Adam said the other day in his media comments that, that you know, conversations and talks have already begun when it comes to the work that, that needs to get done this offseason and figuring out these unprecedented problems. And the revenue obviously took a major dip with what happened. I think it's in the neighborhood of 1.5 billion. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I think players for this season will wind up getting around 85% of their salaries. Um, but it details some of the, the, the work that needs to get done. And, and I've seen in other interviews where you essentially said that these are all problems that should be able you know, to be resolved and agreed on so long as you know, nobody kind of reaches too far, if you will, and, and tries to do too much. Uh, what's your viewpoint of, of those yeah, talks? I, you know, in prior negotiations, there's always been this sort of, well, you know, he say, she say about who's losing money and who's not losing money and you know, what teams are profitable, what teams are not. And, and, and beyond saying that, I will say that the difference between what we have to do now is that there's, there's just some reality that we don't have to fight about. And the reality we don't have to fight about is that we're going to take a revenue hit. There's just no getting around that. We do not have any ability to reasonably expect that we're going to have fans in arenas in the same way that we did pre-COVID. I mean, we probably won't. It's not probably. We won't. 
right? And you know, gate receipts was a substantial percentage of basketball-related income. So the pie is, is, we all know, and we don't have to even argue about who's poor and who's not. What's clear is we're going to have a smaller pie to divide. So the question becomes, now how are we going to do this? How do we divide this much smaller pie in a way that, that, that is consistent with the letter and the spirit of the current CBA? You know, it's a 49-51% split. And on the one hand, the owners say, well, we want our share. And the players say, yeah, well, we want our share too. Um, And the issue is what dollars are already committed, what expenses are fixed. Um, If if everyone knows that we've got to take a cut. I mean, the players are prepared and understand that they're going to see less money next year because there's less money that's going to be made. Again, the pie is smaller. But how do we manage this reduction in revenue? Um, do we attempt to have everybody just die in the first year? Do we do we spread out the loss over some period of years? Um, how do we you know, come up with ways to to generate alternatives to the revenue that we, we know we're going to lose out on because of the the, the absence of butts in the seats? Um, what 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 do we do about salary cap? What do we do about tax? I mean, at the end of the day, the good news, in addition to the fact that, yes, there's a huge revenue loss, the other piece that's just a given, I think, and I think the, that, that, that the league would agree, is that this game is going to rebound. So we need to come up with a, with a formula and that's nimble, that's flexible, that reflects the reality of the revenue that we're going to lose, but allows for... The fact that this virus is either going to make things is going to go away or not go away, or, but we got to figure out ways to manage it and be able to continue to make money. I think that the guys and at the league are smart. I think that the guys and the gals at the PA are smart. I, we have been able to thus far, knock on wood, negotiate any number of things in good faith. We had to deal with the force majeure provisions and the, and the, and the, and the revenue that was going to be potentially lost by the players. And in connection with that, and we managed to work it out such that rather than lose a full 25% of their contracts, you're right, and probably down to about 15%, which is which is substantial. So, you know, I am of the view, if you have to make a deal, you will, and we do. We're married. This partnership can't survive without, without, without each other. Um, and so we've started talking so far. No one's thrown a chair at, at anybody yet. <laughs> And and I I, I I don't think I'm I'm being unre- unreasonably optimistic. I think I'm being realistic. Uh, we we have a golden goose, and nobody nobody wants to kill it. Now our goose has been wounded. Let's figure out a way to repair her, um, such that no one goes away and walks away thinking they've been unfairly disadvantaged. Um, so you know so, so far so good. But it, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that these are not going to be very serious conversations in the next few weeks. A few quick specific follow-ups. Do you agree with Adam, you know, again, in his press conference the other day, in terms of he was asked about any concerns about a, a labor stoppage, and he was, like you, pretty optimistic in terms of the ability of you guys to meet in the middle here. Uh, I mean, that's the, the most extreme version of how this thing might go wrong. I mean, how do you see that question? I would be I would be absolutely surprised. Um I, mean, I, I don't, I mean, look, I, I tell the players this, of course, 
It's possible that they would try to lock us out if we couldn't come to some agreement. It's also possible that they would make things so egregious that we would say we're not playing. So I'm not going to suggest it's not within the, the realm of possibility, but I don't think it's in, within the realm of probability because th th there's not been the, the sort of stubbornness, dog-headedness line drawn in the sand, um, which I've seen happen on other occasions. I've heard it's happened on other occasions. I've seen happen in other leagues. So sure, it could happen. I don't think it will. I think we're we're on we're on track to get this done like like grownups. Well, and and this relates to that too. How how different for you? It, you know, seeing you sitting with Adam the other day, and then I caught another moment um, during game two where he came to say hello to you, and you know he comes down, you're sitting in the front row, and and, and he was very warm, and even got down on a knee, and and you guys both had your masks on, and and just kind of, but it, you know there was an affection there and a respect that this is six years into. A relationship. You guys have been tussling at different times over the course of six years, and then you've been, you know, connecting and unifying at different points. How much of a benefit is it that that relationship certainly appears to have grown? Yeah, I, you know, you know, when I first met Adam, when Adam first met me, we, yeah, we didn't know each other. That that was probably a good thing. So we didn't have any prior battles that we needed to forget about in order to. Um, and in our conversation, we sort of agreed that we, we knew that we would disagree. We understood that on in some levels, while we all love the game and we had a mutual interest in growing the game, we appreciated that we had different constituents that we needed to make sure that we, that we sort of promoted. Having said that, we also understood that, you know, that there's no... We, there's no reason to come out with the fist balled up if you want to. I'm down. Let's at least avoid that to, to the extent that we can. And, and I said to him and he said to me and we said to each other, um, we've got to be able to trust each other. Um, so when it, when it really is an issue that we have to, I, I you know, use me as an example, I cannot, I can't move off this dime. I'll tell you that. And it won't be BS. And you know, you'll have to hope that, um, that it's not BS. But I will promise is I will never lie to you. Uh, I can't, in my prior life, in any, if I was dealing with another lawyer on a matter and I discovered that that lawyer was just I'm not lying, it would just poison the relationship going forward. And so we agreed to that. And as far as I know, he's never lied to me. And I hope he understands I've never lied to him. I genuinely like Adam. I think he's, I think he's a smart dude. I also think that he is one that 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 loves this game he understands the business he, res he respects our players um and if i ever thought otherwise then if he had been on his knee that day i'd have kicked him in it <laughs> and so so i mean I, I like adam i i i think he tries to to, to appreciate our side of, of an issue i try very hard to do the same thing with respect to what the owner's interests are um, and we have disagreed and we've had, we've had some significant disagreements, but we've always agreed that we got to figure this out. It works well for me that I can, I can actually find my quote unquote opponent um, as, as someone I can trust. And, and, I, and I, like I said, the guy, he's, he's, he's a good man. And, and I, I can't say that I found anything offensive about his behavior towards me or more importantly offensive about his behavior toward our players. Yeah. I mean, I say that all the time when I get asked about 
the relationship between Adam and, and the players, and it gets compared uh, endlessly to the other leagues. And it's just such a, a luxury for the NBA to have, and it's an earned one, but where you have so much discord and friction in some of these other leagues between players and commissioners. And you and I both know that the vast majority of the players in this league can look at him in the eye and they do think that he has their best interests at heart. And, and he's a businessman. They know who he answers to, mm-hmm. so they're not delusional about that. But that, that dynamic right. is healthy. Um, you and Adam and, and everybody else, you were also partners in this entire incredible bubble experiment. And I wanted to get kind of your macro thoughts on how it's gone. Because if you, Michelle, you go back to, I looked it up today, May 8th, when you were asked about the bubble idea and, you know, Mm -hmm. like always, you didn't mince any words and you came out and said that some of the ideas concerned you, uh, that, that, you know, had elements of incarceration to it, which to be honest, having lived in now, you, you see where some of those possibilities are if they had taken certain things too far. Um, but, but, you know, overall, how do you feel like it's gone? And, you know, and again, I'm still crossing my fingers because we're not quite at that finish line. Uh, but I, it, it has been far, it's, it's, it's better than I imagined. I mean, I, I, I honestly was, I've been, I was so nervous about this thing working. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the, the players had every right to, to doubt it and, and, and question and, and kick the tires and say, you must be nuts. There's no way in the world this is going to work. You know, we had great, great, great experts that sort of taught all of us, none of, none of whom were bio majors. We didn't know squat about, the, about viruses and, 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 and were patient with us and, and helped us try to understand this. But even as I ultimately concluded it was, it was something that we should try, I, I had, I, you know, we had contingencies for the thing blowing up. You know, we we said, look, it's not going to be if players get sick, but when. You know, we, we we thought about the possibility of spread. What happens with the team? I mean, every bad outcome was considered, and I I didn't dare suggest to myself that ah, don't worry, it won't happen. I, I was just waiting for the phone call that said we got twenty five players that tested positive. That's that's kind of what my mindset was. And for the, for every with every day that's passed and that's not happened, I just I just think that I thank God that it hasn't happened. And and again, knock on wood, cross my fingers, it won't happen. So this is this has been better than my wildest dreams and expectations and hopes and prayers. Do I want to do it again? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually putting my players and I ask them, what do you think about the? Hell no. Listen, I'm, I've um, talked to players who, and we'll see if they if they followed through on it. But they just flat out say, if if that's the plan, then then count them right. out. You not, know? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. And it's, you know, the sacrifice that the players have made, and 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 you know, teams, you know, team staff. I'm not going to pretend that, that they haven't been here, and 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 league staff. The league's been tremendous. Um, shout out to Kelly Flatow, who I think is the superwoman. Well, there are others. Dave Weiss has been great. Um, members of my team, Joe Rogowski, just phenomenal. Matteo Zaretti, Sheree Deans. I mean, th- th- there's been a lot of time and, 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 and blood and treasure <laughs> and sacrifice by, by a whole lot of people. And that we pull this off, and again, knock on wood, has been extraordinary. I, I, I frankly brag on it all the time. I'd say, you know what, the, the, the NBA 
the NBPA, the basketball players, the teams, you know, we, we show the world how this thing can happen. Well, and, and then of course, yeah, I kind of hockey says, well, so did we. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the backdrop to be uh, in the country and, and sadly in the world that, that obviously the virus has not calmed down and it's, you know, it's still an absolute mess out there. It is even more of a testament that, that, it, you know, everybody's so close to pulling this thing off. The, uh, the the one major hiccup, obviously, in this entire experience was something I definitely I know it's been a little while, but you and I have not had this conversation. And for all the success of the of the medical aspect of the bubble, um, you know, you had the social justice part that that reared its head again uh, back in, in late August. Jacob Blake gets shot by the authorities in Kenosha. Uh, your players obviously hurting, uh, obviously, you know, everything from sadness to anger and, and trying to yet again reconcile uh, what's happening in this country, um, and and they have important decisions to make. That players' meeting, uh, I mean, that's something that we're going to be talking about decades down the road. I mean, I've talked to NBA lifers who, you know, will will rightly say that because of the unique circumstances in the environment, like you're never going to get that many NBA players in the same room again. You know, with also coaches, with union reps. Um, now that we've had some time since then, I just kind of wonder. Where do you land and where do you fall and, and reflecting on it and, and the work that was done out of it, the meaningfulness of, of some of the, the initiatives that you guys got across the finish line? Like, you know, how, how will you remember that part of the story? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I've had meetings. With, you know, we have player meetings uh, twice a year. And we've got a board of player reps where we've got a rep from every team that shows up. And you know, some years we've had – you know, as many 60, 70 players that would show up. We only need 30 for our meetings, but you know, depending upon the year and the issues, we've had some during CBA negotiations. I think we may be top 90 um, players at a meeting, which was, again, extraordinary. I have, when I walked into that banquet, banquet room and saw all those players, um, part of me was just thinking this is the most beautiful sight in the world. Why can't I get these guys to come to meetings? The other part was appreciated just how serious that this issue was for our guys. Um, when the coaches came in, um, and, and one or two coaches may even tell you this, when they walked in, I said, I'm sorry, this is a players only meeting. And then Chris said, Chris Paul said, no, Michelle, we've invited some of them to come. These are, these are some coaches that we want to be in the room. I said, oh, you know, Doc, I've loved forever. And so he was one of the coaches. Um, but I will say to you is that that meeting was, those hours were among the most extraordinary hours of my life. Um, I, for a long time, most of us, the coaches included, we, we, this was a player's conversation. Um, there was, they were obviously in pain. They were obviously angry. Um, they were laughing. They were crying, they were yelling, they were hugging. Um, and for a lot, lot of it, I just watched and I listened obviously very carefully, but they were talking to each other um, and, and perhaps ways that they always have, but I've never just been in a room sure. to see that kind of conversation among them. Um, and it was clear that this was, even at those coaches and those, my staff and I that were there, it was obvious to each of us that we're not, a, not, not, was not a player that this was not something we could control or direct. We just had to listen uh, and figure out what at the end of the day they wanted to do and then help them facilitate that. And that's, that's ultimately what it was. They made some decisions that night. Um, you, know, you know, obviously 
you know, you, you know that there were some teams that felt a different way. Um, and then uh, there were conversations after that meeting that some of which I was privy to, some of which I wasn't, um, that went on well into the night. Again, players talking to players. And, and this is why I love these guys. And, and, and I, I never try to take credit for that, which I, <laughs> I don't control. I was advised very early in the morning the next day, okay, this is what we have decided to do. And the decision was that we are going to continue there's some things we want to make sure that the league is prepared to support us affirmatively on. Uh, we want them to, to say it loud uh, and say it to us. Um, and only then will we continue to play. So I, you know, I write it down. I take my, mar my marching orders. And we had a, there was a second meeting that morning with the players. Again, much shorter, but as, as serious as the first where they all agreed that, okay, we've got a consensus, even though some of us don't want to do this. But they agreed, you know, if that's the majority decision, we're going to do it. Um, and then we had our meeting with the, with the league and, and the team owners, which was equally phenomenal. I mean, I, you know, the one thing, Sam, is I, I, people I may disbelieve me, but these players are not, not only are they not shy, um, they're not disrespectful, but they are not, willing to to cow, cow down or bow down to anybody, including the teams that they're on. We had a meeting with owners of the teams that were still in the bubble. So these weren't like you know, team governors that whose players are already home. These were the governors of the teams that were still in the bubble because that's what the players insisted on. We want to hear from you guys because we're the ones that are either going to stop play or continue plays. So we want you on the phone. And it was a civil conversation, but it was a serious one. And you know, what came out of it was a decision to engage in direct action, which is what the players were feeling, you know, feeling kind of needing to do. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of them more often than, than, than I guess I could count, but I don't think I've ever been as proud of these men as I was during that 48 hour period. It was an amazing, amazing, set of circumstances and, and uh, event and I'll never forget. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, that first meeting in particular, and maybe this is a stretch, but I had this mm -hmm. thought, you know, you, you were an incredibly successful trial lawyer uh, for your pre NBPA life. And I'm putting myself in your shoes. And if, if you're in the room with all these guys with various viewpoints and emotions and, and, you know, and the energy that had to just be off the charts and then, Part of your job is to paint the picture for everybody of, okay, if you if you go with plan A, here's the consequence. You go with plan B, and you need to fill in the gaps on the reality of you know each of their moves. And in the moment, that can't be easy to navigate through all that. I mean, did the old lawyer experience end up benefiting you, you think? Yeah, yeah it, absolutely, because, I, and I say this all the time, I've always perceived in my role as a lawyer uh, to be one where I'm, I'm a trusted advisor. Uh, I don't tell you what to do. Um, lawyers are typically hired because someone's got a problem and they want to see it solved. And they want you to tell them and help them get to get from point A to point B, point B being where they want to go and how, whether or not that's realistic, what the consequences are, what the alternatives are. I mean, that's, that's what trusted advisors do. And so in, in, my, in my professional life, before I got here, and certainly now, that remains the way I roll. And I'm not going to 
say, look, you guys need to play. Are you kidding me? First off, these guys would, would hang me <laughs> because NBA players don't take kindly to being told what to do. And the good news is that's not, that's not what I would want to, want to be trying to do anyway. But they do expect me to let them know, you know, and they ask the questions. All right, Michelle, if we do A, what are the potential consequences? And then and, and I share that. And then, well, how can we avoid them? What are the alternatives to do? And that's what I do. And so at that meeting, I was doing you know, what I do. I was listening. And when they decided, okay, what does it mean if we don't play? I said, this is what it means. Um, and you know the ugly, the ugly specter of money is never something that you can just ignore. And and that was something that, that players had the right to understand, and I had the obligation to inform about. So I, you know, I was there giving them information. Um, very rarely, Sam, and this is just true. Do the players say, "Well, Michelle, what do you think we should do?" These guys don't roll that way. <laughs> they really don't. They ask the, the different, I think, more intelligent question: If we do this. What are the potential consequences? And that's, that's, that's what I'm tasked to do. And I make it my business to know exactly what the potential consequences are and to offer, to offer ways to avoid, avoid any, any, any injury or, or mitigate the risk and, and risks and harm. But that, was a, this, that, that entire 24, 48 hours was a, 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 a display of player control of their destiny and of their you know, decision to either go home or stay. And it was, they made it. And my job was to facilitate it. Yeah. I mean, and, and listen, like, you know, everybody was on the edge of their seats wondering if this thing was <laughs> going to happen or not. Um, I'd lightheartedly share with you. I, so during that time, Michelle, I had just showed up into the bubble. You talk about mm -hmm. a reporter's <laughs> nightmare. I'm stuck in quarantine. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm in quarantine and, and I've actually, I've already talked about this on the podcast previously. Uh, yeah. I, I was not only stuck in quarantine, I wound up, uh, you know, a couple nights after the, the meeting, uh, making the poor choice to, I needed some fresh air and I sat in my doorway just because the stress <laughs> of the week was a lot. And, and I'm on the phone constantly trying to figure out what's going on. And there was actually a couple of front office executives that where they had sat in their doorway, they were my neighbors during quarantine. And, mm -hmm. and I'll never, for me, I, you know, because I was in quarantine, I wasn't able to get to the players meeting, but, you know, right. to have these conversations with these guys who run teams and have everybody <laughs> saying, yeah, I don't know what's coming next. I have no idea. You know, Are we home tomorrow. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah, I mean, even myself, I was, I'm sitting there looking at flights going, is this thing a wrap already? So, um, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> Hey, you've been really gracious with your time. Let me get you out with, with spinning it forward a little bit. Um, you alluded to next season a bit, but I wonder to, you know, I know this information is changing all the time, but what's your best handicap at the moment of, of when we might tip off? I've been hearing, you know, MLK Day as a possibility. I know the virus is in control here, but but also the, the bubble question, when, when Adam talked to us the other day, that was one of my main takeaways was being a little bit surprised that that he was pretty clear that the bubble is of some kind is not off the table and that, you know, everything remains on the table. Just what, what do you think next year might look like uh, if you had to take your best stab at it right now? So what we're doing is, is we're watching because the, the bubble is obviously the, the least ideal way to proceed. 
were watching the NFL and, and, and MLB. They, their players have, well, MLB is now in a bubble or going, going to be, but they've allowed their players to stay in market. Um, we, we were seeing where we can improve upon that, that protocol uh, such that we can allow our guys to stay home, um, but not obviously try, you know, be allowed to just roam, the, roam the, their cities willy-nilly. And, and I, I can already see some things that we can do differently and that we can do better that would allow our guys to stay in market. We're, you know, we're talking about potentially having the, the divisions play at, at one time. Got to reduce travel. There's no question about that. We need to do something about having guys flying all over the country throughout the, the season. And that's almost easy. Um, and to the extent guys travel, we need to do something more about having either greater buyouts of hotels or creating a mini bubble within, within, the, within, the, within the hotels the guys are staying at. So, so there are things that we think we can do better than our, 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 our other, other leagues have done. Um, and I, mean, I frankly am a, a bit of a fan of what baseball ultimately did in terms of if you get through most of the season, um, or all of your regular season, and you want to be able to if, you know, reduce the risks and be able to crown a champion, it may be that at some point you'll have a, 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 a bubble that will be you know, four weeks as opposed to this you know, 12 weeks. I think guys may, no, again, no one wants to do a bubble at all, but I think guys would be more willing to, at that juncture, uh, be willing to to do a, some some bubble environment. Look, we may get lucky, and 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 you know, this 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 vicious woman. I call her a woman. I don't know why I keep calling this virus woman. But <laughs> she may decide to leave us alone. And she's done with us. She's bored with us, and she'd like to do some get some rest. And that would be great. Um, but if things if things get worse, or they stay even frankly the way they are, we you know, we got We can't eliminate the the bubble. It's not going to be a return to normal. But I don't find myself as depressed about the ability to to manage it as I was back in April. Um, yeah, I, I think we've learned, we learned a lot and there's more to learn, but, but I'm not as, as threatened and intimidated by this virus as I was before. Sure. All right. Hey, fantastic stuff. Like you said, we're, you know, everybody doesn't have it over the finish line just yet. So um, here's the hoping that everybody gets there healthy. Uh, I know you want to head home, but Jimmy Butler had something to say about that. <laughs> well, I, uh, Jimmy has said, uh, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He said, hold, hold my big face coffee. I got some work to do. Uh, yeah. that was, he was, that was a magnificent performance. No, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was great. Michelle, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate the time. I, I'll see you soon. Thank you, Michelle. You guys stay safe. See you around. Right, be good. Bye. Bye-bye.